cliffcentral.com And we live. You tuned right here to Property Hour with Ronze. And of course, I'm not alone. I'm with my new co-host. Yes, guys. I'm going to call them my co-host. I'm with James Beatty as well as Leslie Borland. I'm sure you guys know that last week we introduced ourselves from the Engel and Focus brand, spoke about the property industry and what we do as property advisors. Today, we're still going to get into more with that. And yeah, guys, introduce yourselves. Say hi and let's have a good time during the show. Morning, guys. Khonse, uh, thanks for having us back. It's uh, James, and yeah, Leslie's with us as well. Yeah, thanks. It's a pleasure to be back. We enjoyed last week's show, mm-hmm. um, and looking forward to the next hour. Yeah, so today, guys, we're going to be talking about the importance of listings, the mandates, you know, our clients, our buyers, our sellers, and how we actually need to communicate with one another and make sure that we are strong as a team. Because, I mean, more than anything, it's, just, it's teamwork, <coughs> right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's no individual in, in, in this uh, mm. game And although the the agent is the face that everybody sees and knows And they know that name But I mean there's a whole brand behind us And again we are talking about Engel and Falkers So there's a lot of players yeah. in the team We we do everything together Alright so let's jump into talking about the importance of listings Right so listings are um, I would say on equal importance Of a variety of other factors that we did discuss last week So a listing is the process of getting Agreeing on a sellable price of the home and then getting the home photographed and listed on the different websites. Um, with the process of the listing, the customer has to sign off all the permissions with regards to getting the home uh, advertised and protecting themselves legally, as well as a lot of people who are very private with what they want to be known, what they want advertised, and whether they're prepared to have their home mass marketed essentially on all the sites that are available to you. Once that's been agreed upon, um, the listing card is signed by the client and so the process then starts. With th- with regards moving forward with the listing cards, there are some uh, criteria that we need to um, include with that and the first part of that is all the FICA documents. Mm-hmm. FICA documents include a customer, a copy of the customer's ID and that would include um, if it's a home that's ma- owned by a married couple that in community of property would be both IDs. In the event that it's in a trust, all the trustees and the proxies would also have to sign off permission for this. Not one can sign independently. Obviously, they need agreements from all of the people that their home actually is for sale. So once we've got that, then the proof of address, uh, which can't be older than three months old, and that just gives uh, – we know that where that where they are residing – Included in that, and a lot of people don't ask for this up front, but we at Ingle and Forkers do to ensure that we've got everything and there's no surprises further down the line. This would include electrical compliance certificates, again, not older than two years old. Mm. Building plans, and that's for the original uh, building of the home, um, but also equally as important if there have been any alterations or improvements done to the home, that those are included as well. Um and then a uh, part that we'll we'll discuss this further and in different details as we go further along, but a uh, uh, um, document called the Annexure B. And this document discloses any known uh, defaults to the home mm. by by the owner. So any damp, uh, leaking roofs. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, and that can, I mean, that we can obviously discuss that in further detail as we go along. Mm. 
And you left? He touched everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, James has uh, summed up quite a bit there. But yeah, yeah, I mean, we try and get as much information up front uh, on the listing process. The reason for that is quite simple. It just makes yeah. things easier later on. Um, I mean, everybody's busy. Sellers are busy. They have work. They, tra- they travel. They have business. They have whatever. So, you know, when we schedule that first appointment, we try and get what we can on that on that first appointment, that first meeting. And it just helps us with the process. Um, and the attorneys require a lot of the documents that James mentioned there so that they can obviously mm. do their, their due diligence and do their, their duties in the, in the background. Okay, so now if you get someone like me, right? Yeah. Okay, I want to sell my house. I'm just going to use myself as an example. Sure. I want to sell my house, but I don't want to give you um, a mandate. I don't want to sign a listing card, but I'm saying, hey, Engel and Falkers, I want you to market my home. Mm. Can we talk about um, how you are able to and how you're not able to? I yeah, mean, sure. what, what do I need to do if I'm just saying, I want you to market my home, but look, I don't want to sign anything because I don't want to be bind to anything. Yeah, you'll be surprised actually how often that happens. I mean, it's quite bizarre to me that somebody is interested in selling their home mm. but doesn't want to sign a mandate. And again, we'll get into the various types of mandates that, yeah. that they are. But um, we do come across clients like that. Um, the simple answer is we can't market your home unless you've signed a mandate with us legally mm. because uh, we have... The EAAB, which is the Estate Agency's Affairs Board, and uh, they govern this whole process to make sure that we do everything by the book. What they do is they do perform random checks. So they can come to any office at any time. They don't need to notify you that they're going to be coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, we keep files on all the properties that we're handling and that we're dealing with. So all the documents James mentioned should be in the file. Mm-hmm. When you sign offer to purchase, that's in the file, as well as FICA documents for buyer and all of these supporting documents go into this file. So when the EAAB comes, comes around the office, they're able to see that, yes, we do have permission from the seller and those supporting documents in the file, and we're doing, we're doing everything by the book. So it's very important for us. Yeah, and I think... Uh, Obviously, with the the fundamental importance of the listing, ensures that you are the face of that client, you're the face of your brand, and you're representing uh, both. And to ensure that everything is in place up front, avoids any um, arguments or litigation at any later stage where uh, the seller says, but they did tell you that there was a problem or they did explain where the shortcomings of the home were, which, again... You open yourself up to you, the professional, as the uh, representative of estate agent, that you need to have this in place. Um, because if you if this be landed up in litigation at any stage for whatever reason, the the onus falls on the professional and the person whose uh, industry it is that they're representing. It can't it can't be a he said she said situation. Mm-hmm. Definitely all in writing and gives the the seller peace of mind. Obviously, from the estate agent's uh, point of view that we're covered and with representing that property and the seller to the buyer, the buyer is then aware of that as well. And later on, that discussion will come up as well when when an offer to purchase is signed, Mm. that not only has the seller signed an annexure B, but the buyer has also accepted uh, the faults that have been uh, listed and that the – and they will then sign that annexure B, which again – uh, avoids any further litigation should it happen at, at a late stage. Yeah, but I mean, we, you know, exactly what you're saying, James. At litigation stage, I think the starting point, and just to draw it back to your question, Quincy, yeah. the starting point is the first thing they'll look at is, did you have permission to sell the home? Mm. So if anything goes wrong later on, they're going to go back to the first document that should have been um, addressed, which is the listing card or yeah, the mandate. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, can you imagine um, going on to private property or property 24 and finding your home and up I'm for sale like, and you haven't, you haven't given any yes. permission to do so? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because some clients are just like, no, how about I just send you an email saying mm. a letter saying that I give you permission to sell my home, mm. but I don't want to sign anything because I don't want to be bind. But when you explain to them as a property advisor that mm. it cannot happen like that, they then, they then look at you and think, this woman is so crazy. Like, mm. you don't want to make money from selling my home? I think what it does is it, it puts the the seller in a position that mm. they understand that the person dealing with this is is giving all covering all the bases and giving them a peace of mind. Mm. Um, whether they want to hear what needs to be said, but again, you know, as an agent, you can walk away from a listing should the customer or the client not agree to to the terms and conditions and disclosing any defects. Then essentially, probably better to walk away from that sale. Yeah, but I mean, you know, and when you look at the process of um, signing a listing and signing a mandate card, I mean, not only is it for legality's sake, but it's also for the seller's benefit because he's signing a mandate to give me permission to market his home, mm. but he's also agreeing to a level of service that I will provide him. So if he refuses to sign a mandate and I just take some random picture with my phone and put that all over the websites he's getting a poor listing he's not getting any guarantee on quality of service he doesn't have a leg to stand on and so it, it's for both parties it's for seller and it's for us to protect both of us so yes. he can obviously that's why you know dealing with a reputable company like Engel and Falkers allows him a certain level of quality of service definitely yep. um, guys we're going to play a song Tory Lanes. And yeah, hit me up zero seven nine seven four eight two zero nine zero and tweet me on at cliffcentral dot com if you have any questions. And yeah, don't forget to WhatsApp me. And that was Techno Panapana. I know I said we're playing Tory Lanes, but my bad. Um, before we continue, we have a WhatsApp. It, the question is, for property hour, any tips for buying and, oh, for buying new development property? Who's going to answer that? Les? Yeah, sure. Um, right. Look, I mean, when buying new development property, I'm assuming that this person is buying for an investment or is he buying his first home? Because, mm-hmm. you know, they're great for both of those. Um, tips when buying a development. I mean, you always want to be looking to buy in a good area. And a good area doesn't always mean the most expensive area. Mm. So um, take some time. Drive the area, you know, on different days, on weekends. You know, check the noise level, the traffic, things like that. Um, accessibility to the highway or how close it is to where you want to be. For example, if you want to be closer to work, how close is it to where you're working? Um, yeah, and then, you know, you can do a bit of homework. I mean, when there's an estate agent like myself or, or James in, involved in the process, you can pose some questions to us. Um, sort of what sort of appreciation you're looking at in the area. Um, you want to buy new developments and... Uh, Firstly, for for the price, you're getting a great price on a new development. You're also getting great security because it's a brand new property. You're not looking at um, having to maintain or fix anything anytime soon. So you get great appreciation on your property from day one. 
Yeah, so I think those are the key things. It just depends what you're buying for. For first-time buyer, if it's your first home, I think price is important, area is important. And if you're an investor, you want to look at return on investment. So you want to look at the area, you want to look at appreciation, and you want to look at the quality of the build itself and how much work you'll be doing in the in the future. I th- sorry, and uh, I think also um, a very important part of that is to do enough homework on the developer. Um, yes, and that definitely. you can, you know, you can Google that and get the information also directly from the developer and see how many developments they've done, the success of those developments. That information as well can be, you can ask them for that and you can see what the original selling prices, uh, uh, buying prices of the homes were and what they sold for and over the period of time what the investment benefit was. Buying from a uh, for, on a development as well, and to buy off plan, so you essentially getting there as early as possible before the first uh, phase um, phase yeah. starts, mm. and you can buy off plan. The second phase of that development, the selling price will be higher. Mm. So whether you've even whether you had intention of moving in there or you wanted to make money out of it, you can take. Your profitability then and there, um, based on the second phase and what they would do, the difference in the value of what they were sold for, or you know that you've bought it at the best possible price, sit on that investment, whether you're living in it or an investment property as such, mm-hmm. you'll definitely, there's always money to, uh, to profit from those developments. Yeah, sure. Definitely. We've got another question. It says, um, morning guys. My name is Matapo Archbold. Just a quick uh, question. Let's say I don't have FICA documents, but I have cash to purchase a property. What happens then? And then, Adjonse, thank you for such a knowledgeable show. I'm really enjoying it. Thanks, Matapo. Okay. As a cash buyer, mm. the, the FICA requirements you, you would have to, to, <laughs> yeah. to provide. Um, unfortunately, yeah. When the FICA Act was uh, was brought into legislation, it is in place to prevent uh, situations of money laundering, correct? Um, mm. Illegal, uh, illegally uh, gained um, money. So yeah, your there you would obviously um, when buying the house you would have to produce your um, your ID essentially. Proof of residence for a cash purchase is not um, essential. But definitely ID's criteria that can't be overlooked. Right, Matsapa, I hope that answered your question. So let's move um, right along. Okay, so we keep talking about mandates and people out there are probably like, what the hell is a mandate? I mean, Balisa, sound engineer as well, is just like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> so can we can we just let everyone know what the different types of mandates sure. are there and mm-hmm. what a mandate really is 100%. and why it's necessary? <clears throat> yeah, sure. I mean, a mandate um, to start there is, is quite simple. It's a document that we provide uh, a seller with, and he would sign the document, which gives us permission to market his home. That's all it is, okay? It's got lots of words on a page. It talks about commission. It talks about uh, selling price. It talks about features of the home. But all of that detail gets explained by the agent when he meets with the seller. But it's a simple document that they sign giving us permission to market their home. They can even go as far as giving it to us for a limited period so they can put dates in where they could say you can market it for three months or six months only. Um, but that's uh, a lot of detail that we'll, we'll get into on an individual basis. Now, you get different types of mandates. You get, uh, I'll start with an open mandate. An open mandate is simply that. It's open to any estate agency. So a seller can list his property with a hundred different agents if he wanted to. Now, 
that's not the best way to go about things, although some sellers think it is. They think they give themselves the best possible opportunity by giving it to as many agents as, as they can. When in fact, a lot of these state agents or, you know, these companies, we all, we all deal with the same pool of buyers. We're all going to list the property on the same portals. So you sign an open mandate with me and a hundred other guys. We all bombard property 24 and private property and all of these portals with the same pictures, same descriptions of your home and how it comes across to a potential buyer is when they do their search and they see this home advertised a million times, they simply think the seller is quite desperate. It dilutes the whole process and then you start getting ridiculous offers. So they, you know, rock bottom offers where people think the seller will just accept anything because mm-hmm. he's so desperate. He's advertised it with everybody. So that's an open mandate. That's kind of where we start. Um, Les, before you continue, with that being said, um, when you mention the different, um, agents that go yeah. and list the, the home. Yeah. I mean, also the prices, the prices mm. can also be different. Like that one can be 1.1. That's right. Yes. Two, and the other one, 1.1. That's right. From one. the seller's perspective, yeah. it's very difficult to manage. Yeah. Because when you have a lot of agents, you, you know, you kind of lose track of the process. Mm. So like you're saying, rightly so, all agents have their own percentage of commission. So they will advertise it at different prices mm. and it's difficult to be regulated. So yeah, that is a big, big negative. Yeah. yeah and sure. with, um, if the process hasn't been followed correctly with regard to price counseling and getting accurate value on the home, a, a certain agent can offer an, or guarantee, essentially, inverted commas, a particular return on that sale, whereas another one will go in slightly lower. So, yes, it does. It essentially leaves it as an open um, pricing mm-hmm. war or offers that will come in, essentially. Yeah, yeah exactly. Then uh, from the open, we move on to a dual mandate. A dual mandate is, is a little bit better, obviously. Um, it's only down to two agents. So it would be England Falkers and somebody else. That's a bit better because from a seller's perspective, he can, he knows who he's listed with. He can control the process. He can make sure the right pricing is on. Um, the two agencies can work together if they, you know, one has a buyer perhaps looking in the area or whatever it might be. So a duel is a bit better, um, than an open mandate. Um, the next step up from a dual mandate, you're looking at a sole mandate. Now, a sole mandate is where you would only give it to one estate agent, so Engel and Falkers would be marketing the property, but the owner of the home has the right to sell as well. So if he has someone he knows, a friend or family member who gets in touch with him and actually wants to purchase the home, he has the right to then sell it without us, okay? Mm. Uh, but no other agent can come on board, only, only one agent and the homeowner. Then we have the exclusive mandate. We did talk about that a little bit last week. That's obviously how England Falkers likes to work. That's our first prize, and most of our listings are on exclusive mandates. So an exclusive mandate is where we and only we can sell the property. So that's where the company will throw all its weight behind the marketing, and you know, you're know you just going to get the best possible service there. And I'm going to hand over to James because I just want him to go into a bit more detail Definitely. about what you get from an exclusive <coughs> mandate. Yeah, as Leslie said, the exclusive mandate is the sort of goal of every agency and particularly with Engel and Falkers. So the idea behind that is you can only get to the point of an exclusive mandate if the groundwork has been done correctly. With regards explaining every aspect of the sale of the home, um, with the process that would be followed, agreement of commission percentage, uh, which is always uh, essentially quoted ex vat, and understanding what the seller wants to achieve out of the property as a net value of once the sale and all the costs have been deducted, what they would like to go home with. Um, 
So once that has been done, the exclusive mandate then gives the sole agent right to to sell that property as a brand ambassador for obviously for our purposes, England Falkers. With regards to that, the exposure that the property gets is far more broad, and um, and that includes international marketing. So the home will immediately appear on the England Falkers landing page. It, as I say, it is uh, marketed internationally and with every possible avenue to advertise the home is is exhausted by the agent and obviously the money put behind that. With regards what are guarantees on, on exclusive mandates um, after, you know, arranging open days, show days, which are managed and controlled by the agent, little extra features and touches that you can put on that we're England Forkers um, sort of pride ourselves on doing. The the feedback is also it's of huge importance. So if you had an open mandate and uh, one agent uh, decides to have a show day, a variety of customers come in, it, it becomes blurred as to whose was whose, whereas with an exclusive mandate, the agent has total control of that. So by the close of business, well, we can't really use close of business on the weekend, but on a Sunday, if there's been a show day, the agent gets hold of the uh, seller, updates them on how many, how much footfall there was, any interested buyers, um, interest shown in the home, any information or constructive criticism that you receive from potential buyers is given back to back to the seller. A follow-up to that would be after two working days where the the potential buyers have had time to discuss it with their significant other or with a family scenario. You can follow up, get an idea of where you stand with that uh, deal, if it's a potential deal on that. Uh, England Forkers has got two magazines. Um, one is the NG, which is the National Guide, and the other one, which is a more exclusive version of that, is called uh, the GG, the Global Guide. Uh-huh. With that, I mean, that that's a lifestyle magazine. It's a glossy um, <clears throat> publication, and with an exclusive mandate, your home will be marketed in that, um, which is, um, can be discussed before doing so with a client. Um yeah, and I think uh, oh, uh, you can also uh, get a premium listing page when uh, if you visited property twenty four private property that your home is the first home that comes up, irrelevant of the price value of it. That is the viewing that the, that any potential um, buyer or anybody looking to purchase on those property sites that yours would be the first one uh, that they see. And like I said last week, when I talked a little bit about um, our footprint, our international mm-hmm. footprint, I mean, we are an international company. And the 700-plus locations that we currently have now, uh, just as James mentioned, the global guide, I mean, what we also do is we do an expose on your property when we have an exclusive mandate. An expose would just be a nice one-pager, um, nice definition, oh, description on your home rather than some nice pictures. And we actually send that out to locations around the world that we feel would be interested in your type of home. So you could have your property uh, in a shop window in New York City, for example, if we feel that's the appropriate market. So the exposure is huge. Um, and also with an exclusive mandate, you can get a possible feature on the top billing show. Mm. So they can actually film from your home. And that, again, just depends on how private the sellers really are. But, yeah, that's a great, great, great um, added feature. And a project that we're working on that uh, we'll hopefully roll out in the first quarter of next year is virtual reality tours. Where we're using the VR technology, um, 
obviously this is um, exclusive to an exclusive mandate. So instead of being a PowerPoint slideshow like the, they call videos on the Property and Property 24 websites, where it is actually a virtual tour of the home. So a potential buyer doesn't necessarily, because the weekends are difficult, so they may have intention to go look at a home. Situation changes with anything that could come up from a sporting event for the kids or whatever it may be. They don't get the opportunity. By doing these, it gives the buyer the opportunity to view the home, mm. get an idea whether it's going to work for them. Half of the job is essentially done then, and then you can start sort of narrowing it down to an actual viewing and a walk around of the home, which can be done by appointment and obviously uh, convenience of the seller and the buyer. Um, and this can be done during the week as well to suit, um, you know, a lot of the, the, the diaries or a lot of people who buy don't allow for weekends and only after hours, but obviously that's arranged by appointment only. Yeah, for sure. No lie, I can't believe I work for such a company. Hey, <laughs> every time you guys are speaking, I'm like, what? Really? That exclusive? So yeah, I mean, guys, I'm sure hearing that makes you just want to go and hire England Falkers, property <laughs> advisors. Hey, so let's continue. Um, mm. how important is it for us as property advisors to manage, um, a client's expectations mm-hmm. Very important I mean um, It all starts there doesn't it You know like James mm. said last week He talked a bit about the sentimental value That people place on their homes So when we talk about expectations We start right there yeah. we, we always come in We try and do a CMA Which again to remind you Is a comparative market at market analysis So we try and give you What's happening in the area For for your type of home size based on the features and we try and give you a, a relative price so what we think it could sell for and uh, a lot of people place the sentimental value on their homes and will have their own price in mind so we may try and manage expectations by trying to explain why our prices might be different to what they're expecting okay um, so honesty is a big one you know we try and be upfront and, and be as honest as we can with with the sellers um, James talked about Annex to B. That's also a big one when yes. you're managing expectations. Okay. So we'll, an Annex to B is basically where we walk through the property with the seller and he will mark and list any defects on the home, any damp he's had, water damage, electrical faults or whatever it might be. Okay. Um, and that obviously then determines a bit of the, uh, towards the price as well. So we, we try our best to try and market expectations from that aspect. And just with managing a customer's expectation is basically back to the fundamentals of any selling technique. Mm. You have to manage all the criteria that we've mentioned from the listing cards to the mandates, yeah. to the marketing, to the advertising, to the price counseling, uh, which Leslie just spoke about now. Mm. If these are done, mm. The customer at the end of the day, uh, buyer and seller, feels as though they're in a safe position, that everything has been explained to them. There's not going to be any speed bumps, not all surprises that pop up, mm. and suddenly they're sitting back scratching their head going, but that wasn't explained to me. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't disclosed to me. They lose um, trust in the, in the person representing them, mm. and that's what selling is all about, is Covering all the ground rules, back to the basics. It's not an overcomplicated situation. It is literally following a checklist and ensuring that what you've guaranteed, what you've explained is follow through, follow through until the initiation of a sales process or, mean, of, a, of a sale. A big one on the, on the expectations as well, like James is saying, is full, full disclosure in the beginning. Mm. And part of that is talking as well about commission. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as estate agents, you know, property consultants, we work, mm. we work for commission. That's why we do what we do. And so we try and have that discussion up front and, and talk about the price of the home. 
what we think it will be marketed for. Mm. We talk about commission in terms of what we actually, you know, what our services would cost the the seller, and and we talk about what that would then mean for him in the in the net return, what he's going to put in his pocket. And I think when you when you're open and, and up and upfront with that kind of information, you are managing his expectation because when you bring him an offer, you've done the groundwork. You you know he already knows what to expect. So that is a big one, and obviously in in line with that is also talking about the amount of time to sell a home yeah because a lot of sellers just think we have this list of buyers standing outside our store exactly. ready to to drop money you know at any time and it doesn't work like that it does take a bit of time if you're mm. going to do a good job if you're going to get professional photos done you're going to do a, a quality description you're going to Put a nice expose or brochure together. You're going to send it out to some of your investors or buyers you do have, and that includes our international buyers. It takes a bit of time. It's it's not going to be one week. It's not going to be one month. It's going to be three to four, five months sometimes. It mm-hmm. takes a bit of time. But the reason it takes time is not because we're not doing anything, because we we are doing a lot. We're trying to pr- provide you a quality service and get you the best possible offer. And no question is a silly question, whether you're a buyer or a seller. You can request any information that you that that anything that you want answered. As a seller, um, I think an ideal scenario when you're trying to ex- in, um, secure an exclusive mandate is to ask the the agent, the property consultant, to give you the sales statistics not only for the current year but for two or three years preceding that. You can then look at it and say, okay, in the Hyde Park area of 2015, for example, a rough figure, 58 homes are sold, and to date in 2016, currently 24 homes. Mm. So there's been a 50% drop-off in the market based on a variety of influences from political to uh, 101 influences. That do. Yeah. And what what that does is it manages the expectation of the seller. So they, mm. you can sort of give them an indication say, look, the market isn't as buoyant as it has been, so give me the mandate for slightly longer where I can really give you the maximum exposure. And again, it all goes back to managing the expectation that it may take more than a couple of months to sell. Um, and that's agreed on up front. If somebody was in an absolute hurry to sell, then the way you could accelerate that process in the in the market conditions is by pricing the home at the correct value, maybe slightly lower than what the average is. And that could accelerate a sell in the event that somebody is desperate to get out of the property. Yeah, sure. Oh, okay. And we've got a question. Before I actually ask this question, Liz, going yeah. back to what you said about um, clients expecting us to just have a long list of buyers, mm. um, I, I had um, a client saying that she wants to sell her home, they're in a rush to go to Europe, and she automatically thought that I could sell it in one week. And I told her, it's not possible. <laughs> you know, I feel like it's very important that the clients know that that's not just how it works it, it's a yeah. long process well you know why we end up in these kind of situations is because when you look at the property game now there's a lot of players there's you yeah. know it's not like the old days now we have a lot of people uh opening up agencies as we say mm. okay and, and offering services where they can sell property now we've talked a bit about honesty being upfront, managing expectations and all of these things are a common theme. You know, we have agents who come in and promise the world and say, yeah, I'll sell your property for 3% mm. commission. Um, I will sell your property in one week. You know, I've got buyers in my pocket who are interested in property in this area. Do you want to sell yours? And all of these things are, are dishonest. And it, it's not good for us because when you're coming in and, and you're telling, you know, a seller, this is what I work for, for example. You know, you got to question the level of service you're getting. 
You know, when somebody says they're working at 3%, what sort of service are you getting from that mm. agent? When somebody says, I have a buyer in my pocket, they want to buy your property, uh, are you willing to sell? That's why you get people saying, I won't sign a mandate because XYZ mm. said he's got a buyer for me. Why do I need to sign a mandate with you? And that yeah. buyer never materializes. So I think it's important for everybody just to, you know, be above board. Yeah. yeah. Be, be ethical. Way. Be ethical. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's again, just covering all of the things we've yeah. discussed is yeah. that transparency. Correct. Um, managing the expectations and then uh, moving forward from there, the, the seller will feel extremely comfortable Correct. with what you're doing. Ethics. Yeah. Okay. Before we answer this question, I think we should just play a song. We're going to play, uh, Sia. Right, featuring Kendrick Lamar, and then we're gonna come back and then take all your questions, guys. Don't forget, you're more than welcome to hit us up zero seven nine seven four eight two zero nine zero. Tweet me at the goon at cliffcentral.com, and yeah, we're good to go, man. I am a South African. I carry the hopes and dreams of my country and the generations to come. I know that it's not where I come from, but where I'm going to that really matters. At Sibanye, we believe the future of our country will be defined by our actions today, which is why we are committed to the development of our leaders. Sibanye, we are one. Visit us on sibanyegold.co.za. And we back Property Hour with Honse Hashtag me PHWG And yeah guys Right here on Clip Central And don't forget I'm with Leslie and James And we're going to go Straight into the questions So this one is from Motel He says My mom always um, says Don't commit Until you are ready Owning a home is a huge commitment and more expensive than mm. we realize. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on to say, how do I know that I am ready to buy property? Okay. So to start off, buying a home is the biggest decision, financial decision you'll ever make in your life. Mm. So there, there is a lot of criteria that you need to look at. Firstly, job security is obviously essential. So time you've got to look yeah. at the time that you've been in employment. You've got to understand or you will only know if you're happy in that employment, mm. whether you see a future moving forward. Mm. So that is, that is hugely important that you've had, you've got a track record with a, with your employer and you know where you're going within that business or that you have a degree behind you and that the scope for you to find work in other ven- avenues in your life are available to you. The, obviously the, one of the biggest criteria as well is what you're earning. So you've got to be in a stable position where you're earning a, a fair t- a salary and mm-hmm. that, that is relative to each person. Disposable income. A hundred percent. So you can then start doing some investigation, visiting property 24, private property, looking at homes and at the bottom, as we discussed last week, there is a financial calculator which will give you an indicative value of what that home is going to cost you sure. in terms of a monthly thing. Um, and obviously, with regards to that decision you have to be made, is that the uh, the average um, bond period is 20 years. So you're tying yourself into, um, let's say you, you can look at it as your school career plus two. Um, <laughs> and that's a, that's a yeah. fairly long time. And so that is obviously a huge um, influence on, on that decision making. Mm. 
you've also then got to consider how much money you've saved and how much of your yeah, income is disposable at the end of each month. The the costs that are involved in uh, securing a bond of transfer costs, rates and taxes over and above your bond installment. So you must remember that that figure that's quoted on that financial calculator doesn't include your rates and taxes, bond your levies. bond levies, mm. which are for sectional titles and mm. those you, those are considerations that you have to look at as a holistic sale uh, or cost of that sale. And also the interest rate is a, is an influencing factor. So you can look at the interest rate from the Reserve Bank and say, well, based on the prime lending rate, do I qualify for prime or would I be a prime plus candidate? And that you can only know once you've approached the bank with a potential idea. And that you can do. <clears throat> you can go and see a, a financial advisor or a banker with an institution that you bank with and say, look, this is what I'm potentially planning on doing. Can you have a look at my portfolio or my current financial position and say, would it be possible? Mm. I mean, a lot of people are, you know, the word that everyone uh, doesn't want to hear in their life is no. Um, <laughs> yes. So you might avoid um, exploring it because of the, the of being rejected. So you can do it on a on a lower level and go and approach your bank and say, look, this is what I'm planning on doing. Do I fit? I think you know, on what you're saying there, James, a, a good rule of thumb is that. What you do is if you do have obviously the savings, a bit of savings, and you've kept your, your record fairly clean in terms of ITC, your credit record, um, what, what I would say is when you do approach the bank or when you look at affordability and you say, for example, the, the bank does a calculation and says you can get a bond of 2 million rand uh, based on what we see in terms of your income, your expenditure, and your ITC and stuff like that, I would always say don't take the maximum the bank is willing to give you. I always say, if the bank is willing to give you two million, rather take a house that's maybe one and a half million. And the reason for that is to cater for things like the levies, the rates, the taxes, the yearly increases on those amounts. You know, the electricity bills you're going to have to pay. So I always, you know, don't, don't, don't from the bat, don't just go straight to your maximum because things change and uh, you might find yourself in hot water in the coming years. I think as well, what's hugely important in that is that with your declaration of your earnings and your disposable income, which the banks will obviously um, validate and do their investigation to make sure that what you say is what is actually the reality of it. But as a first-time buyer, to to extend yourself to the maximum, it it is a game changer in the lifestyle that you may be used to. Mm. So you want to make sure that you're able to have the home without sacrificing um, other aspects of your life that you may enjoy, be it hobbies. Socializing, whatever it may be, you got to create that buffer where you go, cool, I'm investing money. I know that I'm going to get a benefit from it, be it in a couple of years or as a, um, 20 years, however long that period may be for yourself. But hugely important not to overextend yourself. Definitely. Make sure you remain comfortable that you can still have the car. The being able to shop where you want to shop, <laughs> and these, I mean, these, and yeah. we are we are talking to to uh, on a first time buyer mm. basis, correct? Yeah, and the obviously the thing that's hugely important that I think a lot of young people or for first time buyers find themselves in a trap where they have not serviced uh, previous um, credit uh, accounts, mm. be it clothing, cell phone, a variety of others, and if you've been listed. This is going to affect you for a number of years. Mm. Um, even if you've paid it, and they, so they call it being rescinded, mm. um, a letter to prove that doesn't necessarily always sway the banks back into your favor. So for the time leading up to purchasing a home, so if you set yourself a target and said, right, in three years' time, I want to buy this house, 
you and uh, you can't obviously pinpoint a particular house and hope that in three years it's going to be available. Sure. But within a RAND value and within a complex or somewhere that you have earmarked, you say, right, well, in three years' time, this is what I want to do. And you start, and we touched on it last week as well for first-time buyers, is having an accurate mm. budget and preparing yourself with having cash on hand and uh, and making sure that you can service that bond. Yeah. All right, and we have another question. Um, it says here, what are good areas to buy property in um, these days? And since Central is so clustered, mm. is the market to first-time buyers as well? What? Sorry, guys, I need to read that again. Mm. What are what are good areas mm-hmm. to buy property mm-hmm. in these days? And since the since Central is so clustered. Is the market good and kind to first-time buyers? All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming he means uh, Johannesburg CBD. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it all starts with his individual scenario case. Mm. Okay. So he's got to look at what is he trying to achieve? Is he trying to be closer to work? You know, mm. because he mentioned CBD, I can only assume he works yeah. in CBD. Okay. Um, if he works in CBD and he wants to be closer to work but doesn't necessarily want to live in CBD, he can look at the surrounds. Um, if he doesn't want to be in the immediate surrounds of CBD, he can broaden it and look at ease of transport. So mm. look at if he's got a car, how easily from a specific area can he join the highway? What's the traffic like in that specific point uh, headed into the CBD? Um, so, yeah, giving advice on an area is a bit difficult. It's quite broad. You know, we'd have to deal with that individual and look at his case and how we can help him. Uh, but to move on to the second part of his question, which is, is the market favorable to first-time buyers? I think that's what it was, yeah? Um, The market is I mean from 2008 We've been looking at it Coming up slowly And uh, it is favorable To to first time buyers If you do all the things That uh, James said Have a a plan A good budget A bit of savings um, Have your ITC clear For a a little while Maybe three Three to four years It is favorable You can even get 100% bond There are some banks Giving giving 100% bonds But have the savings Have the clean record um, yeah, and I think, you know, contact an advisor. We can help you find a good area, um, a good property within your budget, and we can advise on, on all of these things that, that you'll require. All right. So I believe in that saving, saving, savings, guys. Like, I'm even saving up. I want a nice little house, <laughs> you know. I have to save. Yeah. And also the importance of saving. I feel like more than anything, young adults mm. live for the lifestyle. Yeah. So we always want nice things. So now you need to compromise. Like, don't buy those sneakers. Don't buy them car. Save and buy some property, right? Yeah, 100%. What yeah. I'll say, don't, don't buy sneakers every month. <laughs> I love sneakers. So I love instead of too. two pairs, buy one. <laughs> I love them too. Yeah. Okay, guys, the show is almost over. We're going to play our last song. And before we wrap it up, guys, I mean, the New Year's coming Saturday, New Year's Eve. Hey, we're going to be back here next week wishing everyone Happy New Year, you know, being all jolly. It's going to be 2017. It's going to be the <laughs> 5th. It's going to be the 5th of January yeah. when we're back next week, right? Yeah. And I want to encourage everyone that, guys, we're back. England Focus is here. Hit us up. You know, if yeah. you want to buy a house in Marvel, don't, don't, don't be afraid to call me. 081-346-7196, you know? Yeah. I want everyone to now be excited that it's a new year. Let's go buy some property. No, definitely. I mean, people need to see the whole property thing in a different light. Yes. It's achievable for the youth. 
Um, it's it's realistic. It's possible. You know, you need to start thinking about it. Um, like James said, a lot of people are scared of hearing no or the outcome. So we don't apply for these things. Don't apply for a credit card or apply for vehicle finance or whatever it might mm. be because you just automatically in your mind think you don't qualify. But don't be don't be scared, guys. We're there. We, we'll give you yes. advice. We'll help you through the process. And property is achievable for everybody. Yeah, and to um, be able to go home and say this is my heart, this is my castle, this is my crib. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, it does give you that uh, security financially, obviously as an investment, but also on a personal level. Yeah. Um, that owning your first owning your first property is an exciting experience, and it is creating value for yourself moving forward. To be renting um, in, indefinitely, you're paying somebody else's bond and making them rich. I think people rent because it's just comfortable. Not knowing that, you know, without renting, you'll be making, you'll be saving. Yeah, you've got to have a long-term plan. Mm. Renting, I think, is okay. It's great. No problem. We all started there, but it's a short-term kind of scenario. All right. Yeah, guys. So, we'll see you next week, 11 a.m. And, yeah, Property Hour with Hunsi and my amazing two co-hosts, Leslie <laughs> and James. See you guys next week. Bye. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Cliffcentral.com.